fam. If you haven't filled out your Lyricare account, what are you waiting for? Here's why you should fill out your Lyricare account. Create a profile that highlights your fabulousness and shows all that you've been giving to this industry. I cheated and used information from my resume. There are already so many different talent recruiters and SLPs to connect with on this platform. Don't get mistaken for a bot. Join the community, complete your profile, expand your network, all for free. And if you see me on the platform, don't be a stranger. Connect with me and say hi. Bye fam. Hello, hello family. I'm Melanie Evans. Welcome back to the Pediatric Speech Sister Show podcast a place where we collaborate with professionals from diverse communities on ways to be culturally responsive in our practices and day-to-day -day lives. If you are new here, welcome, welcome. Today is a special episode because we are approaching the ASHA 2023 convention. And one thing I have to just say, shout out to my introverts out there or even my extroverts who get really anxious and nervous when it comes time to network in a powerhouse at ASHA. If you haven't been to an ASHA convention and even an Basla convention, it can be intimidating. There's people who you really look up to in this industry who you just wanna keep learning from. And even the thought of approaching them might give you the jitters. So that's why I wanted to bring my friend and old classmate, Danielle Mondesir from desired communications onto the show today. So that way she can tell us the art of networking. I remember when I saw her at the Mbasla convention in graduate school, and she was literally just fluttering everywhere like the social butterfly she is. Now, granted, she is an extrovert. So the blessing in today's podcast episode is she gives strategies for introverts and extroverts alike that we can take with us when we step into conventions and even just our day-to-day -day lives. So, all right, y'all, let's get into today's episode. Well, everybody, and welcome back to the Pediatric Speech Sister Show. I am so excited to have our guest on here today. We have Danielle Monvisier. Danielle is my classmate, actually, from the Howard University, and I'm so thrilled to have her on here today because, first of all, I'm so proud of her for all that she's accomplished so far in the field. She's already running her own private practice, and we're going to get into all the nitty-gritty details today. But the reason why I reached out to Danny and asked her to come on the show is because when I just remember, Danielle, when we went to Mbazla for the first time as first-year graduate students, and we were presenting together, and I remember we were kind of scared. Well, I remember me. I was a little nervous. I didn't really feel comfort like comfortable or confident in my networking skills. And then I made this joke to you offline, but I'm going to say it again, because this is literally how he envisioned you as just like a social butterfly, like fluttering around to literally everybody, like strangers. And I'm like, how does she do that? It was, it was seriously remarkable. So I thought of you because I was talking to my interns about networking. And I'm just like, I have to bring you here on the show. Because I don't, I seriously, still to this day, I don't think I ever just asked you any tips that you had. Right. So thank you for joining us on this Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and read your bio. Let me know if there's anything that I am missing. Okay. So Danielle is the founder and CEO of Desired Communication. She earned her Master of Science in Communication and Disorders from Howard University. She also holds the Certificate of Clinical Competence in Speech Language Pathology from ASHA 
in-state licensures with Texas, California, Maryland, and New York. Thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything that I missed with your vibe? Everything is good. I've already at least, oh, now he said, my goodness. I live in Austin, Texas. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And y'all, Danielle was just bragging about how it's 80 something degrees in Austin. And we're about to go up to Boston where it's like, I don't even know the temperature. I haven't checked. I'm too scared. <laughs> but Danielle, go ahead and tell us um, a little bit more about you and what is your why? Yeah, so I got my master's from Howard University, like Lonnie said, for class weight. Initially, what got me into the profession? So growing up, I thought I used to be a pediatrician and then pediatric surgeon. I want to work with kids. I was so good working with kids. And then um, my parents, they were, they're awesome. Like they always put us in programs that if we showed interest in absolutely anything, they would throw us in there. And so I did medical programs in, in middle school and high school, like at Mount Sinai in New York and like Arthur Ashe's program at like SUNY Downstate. So while it's not medicine, I through that experience, I was like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not built for this. I couldn't even dissect and pee. It was like so simple. I was like, this isn't for me. And so I got connected to the career of speech pathology because my aunt is an occupational therapist. Her best friend is a speech pathologist. And so she told me about the industry. My guidance counselor's daughter was in, went to North Carolina A&T for speech therapy. So she had come back from the break from the telling and I said, you know, I think I can kind of do this. So that's exactly kind of like how I fell into the career. And then how I stayed, my wife or staying is working with children. I love working with kids. And as cliche as the answer will be, but it's just like you get to impact their lives outside of just communication. I remember working with like middle schoolers and high schoolers when I was a student doing an internship at PG County, just having relationships with those students outside of their home life. It's just like, it's touching. And I feel as though that is what continues to keep me going. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Well, I did what the question that popped in my mind is I remember you were very adamant about being a medical SLP. And then I remember when you got your first, you were actually just like me, because when I got my first client in the clinic, I wasn't, I struggled because I wasn't used to working with kids. But then when I watched you work with that first client, I know you probably remember, but like the, you were actually very excited creating the different materials and the sticker chart. So I do want to know what changed, like what shifted your perspective from the medical track to working with the children? It was easier. I don't think that it's easier. I think that I was just naturally drawn to working with kids. My ability to be like very creative, like now doing teletherapy, having to keep a three-year-old's attention in front of a computer for 30 minutes is probably one of the hardest tasks ever. And so I think it has just been drawn to me. I've always been around smaller kids, particularly. So it, it, it was just like naturally something that I was always good at. So it's kind of where I should stay. Yes. Well, thank God that you are here. That does lead me into my next question. We did kind of have a bit of a conversation about this offline, but how do you plan on addressing the disparities? I know that you were mentioning something that was really shocking that helped you lean really just more into advocating for marginalized populations. Can you yeah. talk a bit about that? Absolutely. So working with a home health agency, I had the opportunity to have a few teletherapy clients. That was actually my first, outside of COVID, my first touch into teletherapy. 
And so I worked with a family that lived, and at the time I lived in Houston, Texas, and this family lived like two hours out of the city. And this kid, three-year-old, super cute. Mom was super awesome, lived with mom and grandma, and they did not have access to a clinic. They didn't have access to nearby clinics. He really would benefit from being present. There were no speech therapists living in their vicinity. It was a very remote location. And it made me sad. I was like, wow, like there's really seriously a population of students, of children, families that are not being serviced because of where they live. And rather than looking, okay, well, how about this family relocating to come closer for care? Why don't we expand our network to provide services to those families that are in remote locations? Like for them to even have his doctor's appointments or surgeries, having to travel two hours into the city. And while they could have gone to neighboring areas that were probably like an hour and a half out and still far, she was a single mom. She didn't work because she had to take care of her son who really needed all of these services. Not having a job could um, bring him to those services because he didn't have a car. So it's like there are populations that are not being serviced and they were on the wait list for home health for a very long time, a very, very long time. So I can only imagine if that's one family that I got to talk with to hear their story, how many other families there are that are not being serviced because of their location. Yeah. Wow. Even just hearing about that's really powerful because we talk about people who didn't necessarily grow up in rural communities. We think about the impact like, yes, let's have services for in rural communities, but we don't really think about their day-to-day lives and how it's like getting care really is an additional chore on my day-to-day life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get into the networking piece. The title of this episode is Mastering the Art of Networking and Speech Pathology. When you think about that title, what comes to mind for you? Um, Relationship building. Building relationship. I, and that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. So how would you say that you can build relationships with complete strangers, whether that's at ASHA or in Basla, online? Yep. Really just within the field in general. Absolutely. So I think the biggest tip that I can share is doing your research. If you're going to ask you, if you're going to Basla, then there's something that you're particularly interested in. Looking up who those speakers are before you attend the presentation, understanding their background, who might be presenting and go out there and communicate. Like if you have questions, like come with a list of questions. Like, no one will think you're crazy if you have a piece of paper and say, like, I've been dying to talk to you. I remember when we were in graduate school and I know the same exact model that we presented at. Um, this is before I was so interested in voice. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I was so interested in voice and I really wanted to meet Kathy Reynolds. Like, she was, she still is such an inspiration. And so I knew she was going to be there. And so I was like, well, I'm so excited. Like, I think our whole program on you. I'm like, you guys don't know Kathy Reynolds? And I know, right? The whole rundown of her. And so I knew exactly, like, I want to intern with her. I want to ask her all these questions, like, what was her drive? And I went to Invasla and I saw her on the dance floor. And I was like, well, I don't know what else I'm going to see her again. So I was like, literally just talk to her. And I just, you know. Also, another thing I would say is be a pro, like, smile, make good eye contact, articulate, you know. 
sometimes when you're anxious or nervous, we talk a lot faster. Just breathe, slow down, and just remember why you're here. Like, and I would love to, like, we kicked it off the first time, and I was able to get an internship with her the following semester. So that was like, I know. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I was so happy. And another one of our classmates too, she got to intern with her as well. So we were together, but it was awesome. Like I learned so much from her, so much from the internship. And that was amazing. Um, And so I would also say another tip in working is being open minded. Sometimes we go to conferences with a goal in mind. I was saying when I go to conferences, I never have like a, you know, they always ask, what do you hope to gain? Or I don't necessarily look for what I want to gain. I allow myself to be exposed to everything because you don't know what opportunities can arise, what ideas can flourish, what might inspire you or prompt you to, to get into another cyber speech therapy. And so like I was, when I interned at the school, I was so passionate about being a school-based therapist. And then if, when we got closer to being in towards the end of our school year, I was very entrepreneurial, very like pretty much since we started, but I wasn't really tapped into it until I had a mentor who was like a phenomenal entrepreneur. And he actually pushed it and inspired me to starting my own speech practice. And so you don't know what having those relationships and genuine relationships are. So um, I think that's the biggest thing of networking at conferences. Also looking at what you can offer other people. So it's not necessarily about what information you can take in, but what information can you share with people? And that comes with even like not saying you have to do a presentation, but when I did the presentation with our classmate Tony, and we did it on the quality of life of transgender voice, and that was a phenomenal presentation, poster board presentation that Tony and I did one year. And we had so many people coming over to us asking us questions, and it was like such an amazing experience. But I was able to educate people. I did Vernon Keys Korsakoff syndrome on the effect on alcoholism and communication disorders. And I learned so much and it was so, it was such an amazing experience being able to educate people on something that I was knowledgeable. Like I did research on this. While I didn't, I'm not the first person, I won't be the last. I know something that I'm able to share with somebody that doesn't know. So also look at networking as an opportunity to share what she has built your knowledge on so and that was a mouthful what hell you you made some excellent points if i can add to that well first of all i want to talk about the vertices korsakoff syndrome because she did that presentation i will always know what it is and so when i'm talking to my practice clients i'm like this is exactly what it is yes i know it but be but i'm not surprised that people came up to you asking you questions because it's a very specific syndrome and so it's not necessarily always taught in schools or if it is you know people just forget about it But I wanted to talk about how we should also emphasize being the value rather than focusing on what we can get from an interaction, but what we can give in an interaction. And so I think that a lot of times people mistake themselves as not valuable, as having anything to add to a potential relationship. Right. And so one thing I like to say is to put yourself on a pedestal too, because a lot of times we we look up to these people, we put them on a pedestal. And so I want to ask you with Kathy Reynolds, I know that your mindset was this is someone who I've always wanted to speak to. I have the intention of helping her, right? Helping her this following semester. 
what exactly went through your head to get you to calm down and also step into your confidence? That's a funny question. I mean, once you're already there, once you're in front of someone, it's like the fear goes out the window, you know? Like, just throw it away. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's your mind telling yourself that you're afraid. You're not really afraid, you know? And it's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know really how to answer that because it's just so, like, I've been doing it for so long. So it just comes natural to me. But, like, when you know, when you really want something and you know that you really want something, allowing fear to step in front of that is only self-sabotage and so you know try something the worst thing that could happen is this but he said and if you say no then okay well you know that was it it was a try it was an opportunity this person now knows my name this person might call me in the future for future opportunities with this person may never call me at all and when you look at the fact that fear is really just like an emotion (laughs) in that moment Forget it. Just breathe. Smile. Be yourself. Be approachable. Make eye contact. But really practice all that breathing. We talk a lot about to our clients that might cluster or speak very fast with public speaking. We talk to them about slowing down, articulating, and enunciating. We talk to them a lot about that, but we oftentimes forget to do that ourselves. Um, Same thing with advocacy. We talk a lot about advocating for ourselves in this profession and advocating for our clients in this profession, but we forget to advocate for ourselves in our personal lives. And so when you practice applying the work that you've done in the career to yourself, nothing can stop you, you know? And so I think once you take that fear, you throw it away. I saw her and I was like, I may never see her again. We're at a big convention and I may never run it to her, you know, friend, do run it to her. She had, there was a time where she had line of people trying to talk to her. Like she was just so like influential. And so when you think about, you have an opportunity in your face, whether you feel like, you know, okay, maybe not at the dance floor, maybe not at lunch, or maybe not the way to get in the elevator. Like take any opportunity, take it and run for it. And you will be so grateful that she took it. And even if the answer is no, that doesn't mean that it's no, that just might mean that that might not be the opportunity for you. And that's okay. There might be another path or another direction that you should be shifting to. And so I think when you look at things like that, that should help a lot with you approaching people across the board and not just like in the room. I can ask the stranger for direction and not be afraid. Like, you don't ask, you're not going to get in here. So close mouths don't get fed. So. Close mouths don't get fed. Yeah. There's a couple other cliches that came up in my head, but are just so true. One is when you get a no, you are still one step closer to a yes. Also, no, but something better. So yes. let's say, you know, you walk up to someone who you're really fangirling about or just like fanning about and they might reject you because a lot of times the fear is actually just fear of rejection, which is a whole other conversation. But the no is no, but something better. Like there is always something ideal for you and perfect or just simply better. Right. So, you know, I, I do appreciate that perspective. Absolutely. So I did want to also ask you, Danny. first of all, there are some introverts who are probably listening to this who also might have some childhood wounds. And, and that was something I was going to say with the conversation for another day. But I just have to sprinkle that in there because I'm thinking about people who 
just have those fears that really come from childhood. And yeah. so we're big people. We're little people with adult bodies. We're yes. And adult bodies. And so now we're in this big adult world at these big adult conventions. And there's a potential opportunity for a job that we know we really want. But then all of a sudden fear gets in the way. And also just other relationships. And so I said all of that just to talk about being an introvert versus being an extrovert. Yeah. What would you identify as yourself? I would identify as an extrovert. Okay. And what does that mean for you, first of all, to be an extrovert? Well, I mean, exactly the definition of being an extrovert. Very forward with communicating. Very, very open and outward personality. Um, I remember my mom will always tell this story about how I used to get marks late to school in kindergarten all the time. And my mom was asking my dad, because my dad would drop me off. She's like, well, how is Danielle late? Like, you're waking her up and you're taking her to school. Like, you left the house sometimes. He's like, I don't know. Like, you drop her off. And so one day he sat around, the, he went, dropped me off and went around the corner. And my mom, they retell this story of I like kind of waited for a car to move up and then I would stand outside and I would hold the door open for everyone and greet every single person that was walking in kindergarten. And one child safety, like no teacher stopped me. It was like bring this child inside the building. But two, like I've always just been very much like, hi, how are you? Hello. And so I'm still that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but two extroverts and do feel as though the tips can still apply for networking and it, it might just take a little bit more effort like taking out a notepad and writing down like i said being open-minded as far as what you hold to gain but if there was something that someone mentioned at the conference and you really liked it write it down think about how you want to pose that question we have technology we have checked and we we have all these different sources and you can ask how should i pose this question and I'm not going to say change your personality, but just sometimes you might, people that might be afraid or have gone through traumas might need a little bit more coaching on how to address fearful situations because that's a real thing. And not to say that those fears are not valid, but there are ways that you can overcome that fear in those situations. Because once you do it a couple of times, like it, you kind of get over it eventually. I thought, okay, I can do this. You start feeling confident in yourself. I remember... In 2017, my therapist told me, what did she say? She was like, you can, you can always recover. Like, no matter what happens, you can always recover. Professionally, personally, like in any aspect, you can always recover. So in that moment, you know, just think about, okay, I can recover. I can do this. I can talk, approach this person. I'm interested in this subject. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to ask this person, and if the conversation does not go how I want it to go, I will recover. If this conversation does exactly how I want it to go, but I'm like literally about to crap my pants, I will still recover. Like I will always recover. And so that was such a valuable thing that she said that can still apply to people that are introverted. So introverted, because not to say that extroverted people are not scared because they are. And I, I, I told you before during the podcast, I was, I'm so anxious, I'm nervous, like. You wouldn't think, or people wouldn't think that it would be like, you're with Virgil. Yeah, I know. And I was surprised when you're like, and you actually said that, believe it or not, I'm nervous. But like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thank you for that. I do think that that's a common misconception for it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, thank you. And honestly, don't 
feel bad about giving us a mouthful because literally everything you are saying is valuable. Like there are so many things you said that really hit home. So thank you. I wanted to ask you because I haven't really gotten to be in a networking setting with you since we graduated, maybe a little bit in Houston. And so I want to know how your approach to networking changed since graduate school and now as an entrepreneur. Yes, I use LinkedIn a lot. Oh, okay. There's another speech pathologist who is also an entrepreneur, has school contracts, and they also have private practices, and she's bilingual. She's like so awesome. And I want to, sorry, Ebony Green? No, Pamela Rowe. Oh, I love Pamela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Pamela. And so I had wanted to talk to her one day. I came across her on LinkedIn and then I heard about her from someone on um, Instagram. I can't remember who told me about her, but I had been watching her for some time. So I DM'd her on Instagram and then I messaged her on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn, if you don't have premium, you can't send more than one message until the person accepts your request. So it kind of been months. I think it was like a September and I reached out to her and it was like maybe like almost six months later. I was like, I haven't heard anything, but I couldn't read messages because, you know, like there's no way of navigating that. And then one day she thought, and she's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. She responded on LinkedIn. She's like, no, yeah, reach out to me. And so I called her and we had such an amazing conversation. She's also been a very big inspiration. And I thank her every day for just the insight and the knowledge that she shares with me. And that's one thing that I know that I love about a professional is that no one tries to, like people are always trying to educate and find opportunities to educate. And so she's just like super awesome. She's such a busy woman, but anytime I send her a text message, she always finds an opportunity to respond. But again, how that has shifted since graduate school, but just never utilizing my, the internet, like we have the internet, we follow people on Instagram. And you, at one point, I ended up having the opportunity to shadow and make you speech pathologist. That was fun. And she connected me with other NICU SLPs and we talked because I was at one point trying to steal it out and see if I was interested. It's nerve wracking. But the things are still small. But I say leverage social media. And if you are not on social media, I would say for the least LinkedIn, using it for, for professional networks, like looking up speech pathologist and maybe a specialty that you're interested in, looking at hashtags. I'm like a Facebook group girl like i use facebook groups i'm in like every facebook group you could possibly imagine because there's people anything they're talking about different things so you learn about different people that are interested in different things and that have different hobbies and so um, i definitely leverage social networks a lot introduce yourself i always say come in with Danielle. I'm the steer and i basically tell them where i'm located you don't have to disclose that if you don't want to where I'm located, how far I am in my career. And then I asked them, like, I really admire this about you. Do you have a moment where we can connect and talk on the phone? Like, always try to be offline because not everybody has time to text all day or send emails back and forth. So couldn't go home and, you know, schedule a Zoom call or a phone call. So I, that's pretty much what I've done every time I've networked with someone is a small blurb introduction. I know two long paragraphs. Nobody feels like reading those. Mm-hmm. It's not a, you know, it's not a dissertation or a cover letter. It's a, hey, this is why I am. I really love that you do this. I'm super interested in, in venturing into that industry. Can we chat on the phone? It's like you learn more about your story. 
So, and then it, that also might too be easier for people who are also introverted because it's less face-to-face contact. So it feels less intimidating when you send an email because it's like, okay, if they don't respond, it's like, I'm a site out of line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But of course, I think about the people who, you know, like when you send a text message to someone who you like, you really like or want to get something back, and you're like, how they, you just constantly like get your yeah. I just have the phone, put your phone on D&D, don't worry. Yeah, that. I believe it's going to be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. You will recover. You will recover. I'm still with So, Danielle, one final question for you. And actually, before I even get to the question, I do want to add, you haven't necessarily said this, but what I'm hearing is themes of also just being authentic with yourself. Yeah. So, you know, not everyone is an extrovert. Not everyone is an introvert. So maybe DMing someone is out of your comfort zone. Like simply, you're like, I personally don't even like getting DMs. So why would I DM somebody else? You will find your way. So thank you. Thank you for that tidbit. Here's a big question I have for you. What changes would you like to see moving forward, specifically about how we interact with each other in the profession? That's a great question. What are some changes as far as interacting? Just be open, open to sharing, being kind. Being kind always. I know sometimes I ran into some speech therapists that just kind of didn't want to share information. And not that that's a bad thing, but just always be kind. Because people are always trying to learn, share information, share knowledge, because you never know what information you can educate someone on. Whether that be another culture, another like just anything, you just never know. And so I think always being kind to people. Is something that I want to, and, and not, not to say that they're necessarily mean, I wouldn't say that that's a, a major issue that I run into, but as far as something that rather than change, it's something to continue is always to be kind. Yes. And thank you for that. I've never ran into someone who was just mean, maybe just someone who was a bit, maybe just closed off. Yeah. And so this is just for anyone who's listening to this and anyone who is in the position where people are reaching out to them especially if it's a student who, you know, just which, by the way, students are really having it hard and students contemplate every single day whether they chose the right profession. And so, you know, we don't need to be dream crushers. If you do not have time, there's kind ways to say, thank you so much for thinking of me. Thank you so much for reaching out. And for not have the time at the moment, but I will just yeah. mind. It's so simple. It goes a long way and you don't even have to respond to that. You know, okay. I agree. That's a you. Hit it right on the nail. Yes. Well, Danny, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Anything that's on your heart just to share about this talk or anything else? I don't think so. I think I said everything I can possibly come to my mind. This has been a fabulous interview. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and ask you any questions and learn about communication? Absolutely. So my email, we can email my desired communication email at info at desiredcommunication.com. Or you can also uh, reach out to my Instagram, Desired Communication, on Instagram as well. And, and my DMs are open. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. So if you want to have a full call or a Zoom, we can definitely do that. So, yay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for everyone who joined us and who is watching the replay. Don't go anywhere. In about an hour, we will be talking to Nima Novak about being Indigenous in this profession and how we can combine healing and clinical work. Stay tuned. Bye, fam. Thank you, Danielle, for coming. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Well, family, that's the episode. What did you think? 
Wherever you're listening, I'd appreciate if you left a review. Your feedback means a lot to me and helps me find more ways to help you on your journeys. If you're looking for more ways to expand your cultural compatibility in your clinical practices, follow me on Instagram at Pediatric Speech Sister and check out my newsletter for more show updates. I'll include all these links in the show notes. Until then, I'll see you next week.